he goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. I got my peaches out in Georgia. Oh yeah. I get my weed from California. That's that. Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. Try 2for1pizza's new goat pizza with goat cheese and mozzarella, crispy bacon strips, and red onion finished with their delicious balsamic glaze. Visit 2for1pizza.com. Welcome back. Leafs Lunch, TSN 1050. Julia Tashari and Mike DiStefano with you. It's the Leafs and the Hawks tonight, and I feel like AB has something to share with the group. Well, speaking of goat, nothing to do with Leafs and Blackhawks, but does have to do with sports icons. And Patty Mahomes just tweeted out, going to be a long day with some exclamation marks, some crying emojis. Oh, is the parade today? The parade is today. Oh. There's some pics coming out of, of what the buses look like in KC. Those boys are going to be partying. Yeah. Travis Kelsey, in particular, is a player of interest for me to watch to see how he goes because... He fought for the right to party. Yeah, he and did. it will happen today. Jackson Mahomes TikToks. Nah, that be, is not somebody else. Should be firing on all cylinders. That there was such oh, a funny moment it, when Patty was getting interviewed after they won, and you could see in the background his brother has his phone out in selfie mode, and he's like having a little TikTok dance moment. So so brutes. Kid irks me. Uh, it's Anyways. like so funny. I'm, but I love the the I don't know it's it's a little mean to make fun of him but the 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 making fun of him grow man who cares he's a grown man you can make fun of grown men all you want <laughs> yeah. I make fun of people all the time okay on this radio it's show. it's a little mean but it is ultimately hilarious and now now we digress back into the Leafs and and the Hawks tonight we're gonna have Ben Pope join us momentarily here reporter for the Chicago Sun Times to help tee up tonight because. Boy, it's quite the night at Scotiabank tonight. Like, I feel like there's a lot of Leaf fans, maybe even Kyle Dubas, hoping that uh, some of these guys packed packed heavily for this trip so they can just oh. <laughs> put some their suitcase clothing, in suitcase. an apartment, maybe maybe post up at the Fairmont for a while and, and hang out. Patrick Kane, Jake McCabe, Max there's a lot of guys. There's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys Murphy. on this team that we're going to be watching tonight who could be could be Maple Leafs in the next two weeks. Like, yeah. there's a, a list of five or six guys out there that potentially could find their way into Toronto. So t- tonight's a good night to kind of uh, do a little pre scout and get a chance to see what these guys are all about. You know, we already talked a lot about Patrick Kane and and looking to see if he still has that burst, see if he's still the same Patty Kane he was once before. Because if you're bringing him in, like he's he's got to be, that's for sure. Um, Jake McCabe and Connor Murphy, a couple defensemen that I'll definitely be watching. Like those are two guys Like we were just talking about in the last segment, how they need to upgrade in that defense. Those are two players that I think really fit what Toronto needs, right? Some bigger dudes who can be on the, on the PK. They can play tough minutes and they can, they'll hit, they'll block shots. They'll do all the things that we need them to do. Connor Murphy in particular, right shot defenseman. If we're talking about upgrading that right side, that is a, a player of interest for me. So he's someone I certainly will be watching for tonight a little closer than maybe the rest of them. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of teams, not a lot, but when you're thinking about the Leafs and who they can acquire at the jet deadline, you and I have kind of uh, chewed on the fat of a potential one-stomp shop for Kyle Dubas and when yeah. he could, in which he could swing for a defenseman and a forward in the same deal, and Chicago's definitely one of those teams that, that can make something like that work. Yeah, for sure. Like if if you want to go out, like Sam Lafferty's a name that's been linked to Toronto in the past as 
you know, a depth add, just a fourth line guy who can go and he can play the wing, can play center. Um, I, I think he's a penalty killer as well, if I, if I recall. So he's somebody who definitely could be involved in a trade. Max Domi's been brought up a bunch of times, and he's somebody who could play in that middle six type of role. He has a history of scoring goals. Haven't quite seen it in a little bit, I'll say that. But he's having a little bit of a better season than he than he had in the last couple of years. So maybe that uh, that works out well for for you know the the Blackhawks when they look to trade him and get something for him. But certainly there's a couple of opportunities for them to to go out and and acquire a couple of pieces, and they'll get a chance to look at these guys tonight. So I'm excited for it. Like I think the Leafs though, like realistically they should they should dummy Chicago tonight. Like I, I they should legitimately this shouldn't be a close game whatsoever. Famous, famous words. Well, I know, but, but especially coming off that Columbus game, you have to expect a big. That's it. It's performance. Columbus. So you can't lose to two bad teams in a row. No, you cannot. You're coming off that bad game in Columbus. You've got Austin Matthews back, and Chicago's on the second night of a back-to-back traveling in from Montreal. And you've been sitting there waiting since Saturday. You've had three days off. You should be rested and ready to go. There's no reason for this team not to be ready to go for puck drop. And if that's the case, and they just play their game. This should be an easy victory for Toronto tonight. Here, here, and with that, let's bring in Blackhawks reporter for the Chicago Sun Times, Ben Pope. Ben, how's it going today? I'm good. How are you guys? We're Doing good. Well. We're good. We're just teeing up this game between the Hawks and the Leafs tonight. Chicago's on the second half of a back-to-back. It was a tough one uh, in Montreal last night. So, so what's the mood around the group right now? Well, yeah, that was definitely um, one of their worst games in a while last night in Montreal. They just couldn't really get much going and. Um, it sounded from talking to the guys after the game that it wasn't even that they got off the game plan. As Connor Murphy put it, they didn't even get onto the game plan to begin with. But um, the thing is, that that's kind of an anomaly lately. Um, they had a really tough stretch back in November and December with two eight-game losing streaks, uh, losing two, losing 21 out of 23 overall. But um, since the, the calendar turned to the new year, they have been a lot better. They had a winning record in January. They started off February with um, two wins and two of their best performances of the year in terms of controlling possession. Um, but those were against Arizona and Anaheim. Um, so maybe the slightly easier opponents. Um, and then the past two games have, have definitely fallen back to earth um, with a, a couple lopsided losses to Winnipeg and, and now Montreal. But um I mean, the team kind of knew this was going to be a tough season, a rebuilding season, and that um, losses were going to be inevitable. So they really judged their performance more based on um, their kind of their work ethic and, and just their ability to stay competitive and uh, at least um, you know put put forth their best efforts. So for the most part, they've done that, but but certainly last night uh, was not the case. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, there's been a couple of tough losses uh, lately for them, and I'm curious how much this this may be impacting Patrick Kane and, and his future and his willingness to kind of stick through the the tough times. I know that there's been a lot of reporting that uh, you know he's spoken with his his agent, and they may or may not want to make a trade. They may want to stick around, but it seems I don't know. Th- from what I've been reading and kind of hearing a little bit, there's he had a little bit of a stink he made when. The Rangers went and got Tarasenko. Then there was uh, a report about him talking about Kirby Doc. And I don't know. I just get the sense that maybe Patrick Kane might be willing to, to move on here. Like, he might, not that he's done with Chicago, but maybe mentally he's ready to move on. Like, well, how do you read this entire Patrick Kane situation with the deadline just a couple of weeks away? 
Well, for starters, I think the Doc thing yesterday was kind of overblown. Uh, he's he said that many times before. I'm I'm not quite sure why it took off so much yesterday. Okay. Um, and that was really really the previous regime that um, had kind of handled Doc in that way. So I wouldn't take it really as a criticism of of Kyle Davidson or, or the, the Hawks' current management. But um, uh, it certainly it does seem like that it, if he's not leaning towards getting traded, he's at least seriously considering it. Um, he he's, has been pretty open about um, that there are some intriguing options out there. Obviously, the Rangers were one of them, if not the biggest. So with them off the table, um, maybe that changes things. But um, it definitely seems to be something he's thinking about. Um, it, it's weighed on him the past few years, um, the lack of success that the team has had. Um, even though he's certainly been a good sport about it, and, and he's not really the kind of guy to get super uh, stressed or worked up about that. He He's pretty easygoing and, and steady, but um, he'd certainly like to, to get back in the playoffs, I think. And um, he, he obviously knows it's not going to happen this year with the Hawks. Um, so I think that would be appealing for him, but obviously he hasn't made any firm decision yet. Uh, it's been quite the waiting process, waiting for him to kind of uh, make that decision and, and go to the Hawks with it, um, considering they've made it clear they're not going to go to him first. He has to he has to come to them. So um, it does seem more likely than not that he eventually will at least entertain trade options. So there's no guarantee even if he gives the green light that one ends up happening, considering um, the reservations some teams evidently have about his injury and uh, the size of his cap hit. But um, it seems likely that at least he will uh, be open to the possibility. Yeah, so those were the comments that really caught the attention of, of I think, the, the media and fans when Patrick Kane um, was talking about his hip injury and reports maybe being overblown. Where do you stand on that whole thing? Like, Do you, do you notice a, a difference in performance based on the fact that there might be an injury there that's being overblown, or do you think it's more that just the team is bad this year? Yeah, it's it's hard to say exactly what the, the cause for his reduced production is. Um, it's probably multiple factors, um, to be fair. Obviously, he is um, uh, averaging a lot lower point pace this season than he has in recent years. Um, I'm sure the, the reduced quality of his line mates is a big factor in that. Uh, he and Debrinkit and Strom had really generated a lot of chemistry last season. They were terrific the second half, even as the team not doing so well. Um, and so to lose those two guys and uh, play a lot of this year with, with Max Domi and Tyler Johnson and um, those kind of players has certainly impacted what he's able to do out there. Um, as far as the injury itself, it, it might be impacting him. It might not be. Um, he has insisted repeatedly that it is not, or at least not playing a major role, and uh, he doesn't think it's a big deal. Uh, he did miss those couple games back in early January, with it, but um, it doesn't sound like any kind of long-term surgery or um, sort of anything beyond those that week or two was really considered or uh, deemed potentially necessary. And um, he said the past few weeks that he actually feels better than he did last season because um, this has been a, a recurring issue for a while that he's just been kind of dealing with. So um, it does, it is kind of hard to say exactly how much impact on him it's having, but he at least is trying to trying to establish a narrative that it's not having that much. Yeah, I mean, he he clearly needs to establish that if he yeah. does want to get out of Chicago. But you know, as somebody who who watches him on on a daily basis, like, have you seen 
like a drop off there? Like, does he look like he doesn't have the burst that he once used to have? Like, when you're watching him, can you tell, like, uh, something might be up here? He doesn't look like his usual Showtime self. Um, it, it, that's a tough question. I'd say maybe a little bit, but uh, it's not like he's been a super explosive skater uh, for years now. I mean, he's never really been a guy. Uh, like an Andreas Athanasiu type where he gets the mm. puck um, off a turnover and just races past everyone for a breakaway. That's not really ever been his game. It's been more his finesse and his vision and his hands and his passing ability and his shot. It, it hasn't really been any kind of breakaway speed. So um, certainly he's not showing that now either, but um, it, does it seem like the hip is really slowing him down? It, it's hard to say, maybe a little bit, um, but I don't know if it's, it's really changing his game that much. That's Ben Pope, uh, Blackhawks reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. And, and the other guy who we haven't seen since before the All-Star game, and I feel has kind of fallen off the radar, is Taves. He was dealing with some sort of illness. What, what's the latest there? Yeah, it's still um, pretty mysterious as far as Taves' situation. Hmm. He's not with the team on this Canadian trip back in Chicago. Uh, my understanding is he's at least working out. It sounded like he might have gotten back on the ice yesterday, but uh, we won't get clarification on that till later this afternoon. Um, as far as what he had, the Blackhawks at one point said they thought it was the flu, but then kind of backed off that a little bit. Obviously, the big question is whether this is related to the immune system yeah. issue that kept him out in the 2020-2021 season. Um, whether or not that's really what he's dealing with, it certainly could be um, amplifying it or complicating it. Um, because he's now missed five games, uh, including tonight, um, with this most recent illness, and he'd also missed two previously in January and December, including the second-to-last one before the break. Um, so clearly he's dealing with something. I talked to him a few weeks before that, um, and he, he didn't really want to go into it, um, he just, it, but he kind of in doing so admitted that he definitely wasn't feeling 100% health-wise, so... Um, definitely that is a concern right now, and uh, there's not really a whole lot of clarity on exactly what he's dealing with and, and if he might be able to um, be back and be his normal self soon or if this could continue for a while. Uh, Jake McCabe is a player of interest that I'll be keeping an eye on in, in tonight's game, and you wrote about him yesterday. What could he bring to uh, a team's lineup? Like, What's his season been like? What are his strengths? And do you think that he's a player that, Chicago will be looking to deal come deadline day. Yeah, McCabe has had a really solid season. I mean, he's been arguably the Blackhawks' best player. Uh, he has a plus, uh, plus-minus rating on a team that is way in the red as an overall group. And obviously there's some flaws with that stat, but I think it, it, when he's that far apart from everybody else, it certainly means something. Yeah. Uh, he also leads the team in expected goals percentage if we want to look at the analytics side of it. Um, he's a really steady defenseman. Uh, he, he's responsible on his own end. He's physical when he needs to be, and he uses it in a smart way, not just kind of leaving position to make big hits for no reason. Um, he's also gotten more involved offensively the past few months. Um, is the team has made more of an emphasis to really get all their defensemen um, some more space at the blue line and, and getting more shots through, and he's benefited the most of anybody with that. Um, he's never going to be a big point producer, but he certainly isn't. Um, exclusively just a shutdown guy. He can certainly hold his own in the offensive side of things. Um, and, yeah, he would definitely be um, an appealing addition at the deadline, and I'm sure the Hawks are, are going to explore every possibility there. 
Um, considering how much value he might have, he has two years left under contract at four million cap hit, which is pretty reasonable in itself. But uh, if they retain fifty percent of that, which it sounds like they they would be willing to do, um, then it suddenly becomes an extremely team friendly contract at two million, and uh, they could really get quite a lot of value back for him. Um, I know for him personally, he is from Wisconsin. Uh, his wife is from Chicago. He really wanted to end up in Chicago uh, signing as a free agent two years ago. So uh, it sounds like he would very much like to stay, but um, obviously he doesn't really have a ton of control over that, just a seven-team no-trade clause. Um, and it sounds like there there was a very real chance that he does move at the deadline. Yeah, interesting. I think a lot of players uh, on Chicago tonight that Leaf fans are are going to be hawkeying as, as potential ads at the deadline. But but speaking of the deadline, March 3rd, it's coming up quick. What, what are your burning questions about this Chicago team and their plans at the deadline? Well, I think it's, it's pretty clear what their plans are, and that will be to basically get as many um, draft picks and prospects and future assets for current players um, as possible. Um, really, the burning question is how much they're able to do that. Um, Kane and Taves being two of their biggest assets, both have several red flags. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's unclear whether, you know, even if they permit trades, what kind of return they'll be able to get for those guys. And then, um, there is also, on the other hand, going to be a bunch of guys who are maybe more like depth players, uh, guys like Sam Lafferty and Athanasiu, um, who they would like to get maybe a second or third round pick for. Um, but the question is going to be whether they're able to get that for those guys. Um, and if they have that much value. Um, so it's, I think their intentions are pretty clear, but uh, what's more up in the air is exactly how much they'll be able to get back and how much of a haul they'll be able to, to end up with once that deadline passes. Ben, really appreciate taking the time to, uh, to join us today. Enjoy the game tonight. Yep, thanks so much. All right, there he goes. Ben Pope, Blackhawks reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. I'm really curious about uh, Jonathan Taze. Yeah, like he's I, I really fallen the off the there. radar. Like Winnipeg was dying to clamoring to well, get their hometown hero, and it yeah, was, it just everything seems to have quieted. I just don't like. He's honestly, I thought that I just don't even think he's gonna get traded anymore. Like my mind was like, okay, he's not even on the radar anymore. Like he's he's got this mysterious illness, not sure what's going on. Like it's a massive red flag. Maybe he just sticks around in in Chicago. Yeah, I'm like, just trying to see how he's... Uh, of the two players, he was the one who I envisioned sticking around anyways, between him and Kane. I kind of... Where's the C? Assumed, yeah. Like, I assumed Kane would perf- would would get to a point where he's like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to go somewhere and be a winner again. Like, Taze is the captain who's got some roots there now. He's a guy who I feel like would be willing to help usher in that new blackhawks team that the new youth that's coming in especially if they get due like let's say everything breaks right and they get Connor bedard having a guy like jonathan taze in that locker room would be massive yeah now he's a ufa he can go wherever he wants this summer but you would think that those two probably would have some significant interest in reuniting and coming up with some sort of extension and long-term thing to make him a blackhawk for life yeah totally totally it's interesting. Yeah, just I just I, I don't know if he gets dealt or not. Like it's honestly a big question mark for me. Like yeah. they, they, there's so many different players out there. Like would I he would still assume, be a question mark if he, if he was playing right now to you? No, I, why, I, at that point it's like okay, 
I think I don't know. Like if it's the teams. injury that you're yeah. Like, I don't know if teams are like I don't know what we're gonna get from this guy. Exactly. Like yeah. it's similar to Patrick Kane, but at least Patty Kane's playing. You can watch him. Yeah. Right. Like you can watch and see what he's all about. Like Taze, it's like, well, what's up? Like, yeah. But we just talked to Ben, who's a reporter for the team, travels and covers his team on a daily basis, and he's like, yeah, it's a mysterious injury. We still don't really know exactly what this illness is all about. They're telling us one thing, and then people are speculating it could be this, like. No one knows the situation that's going on with, with Johnny Taze right now. No, no. It's total mystery. So we'll stay tuned for that. Um, I want to, I want to, I have a theory about tonight's game, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's the return of Austin Matthews. Okay. Right. He's going to be in tonight. Excited for it. Do you think that, so when the original timeline was put out there, minimum three weeks, that raised eyebrows. Thinking like, uh oh, that could be longer. Like that minimum was a weird word to put in there. Yeah. The three week date, I think it hits today, actually, technically. And he's coming back and he's gonna play. If Tampa Bay hadn't gone on their run prior and post All Star to the point where they had a like a seven, nine point lead, I think, on Tampa Bay when Austin Matthews got hurt. If they if they were still like had a comfortable lead on them in the standings, would they have rushed? Not that they're rushing him back in, but would they have taken a little bit more of their sweet time like they've done with TJ Brody, like they've done with other players? Like, what do you think is factoring in more, that or Austin wanting to get into play against Patty Kane? Yeah, but if he's hurt, I mean, you know, what's what's the deal there? Like, it could. Be I don't both. know if I'm following entirely. Like, I, I think there's a possibility that as an organization, like, yeah. yes, to your point, yeah, that could be it. But as an organization, we've seen this season they have sat guys out longer than needed. Yeah. Right? They're like, let's just make sure he's 100%. But now that Tampa's on their heels, they're like, Austin, you good? Like, if you want to come back, like, we can, we can bring you back now. It's been three weeks. Let's, let, let's get you in here. Yeah. If you're good to go. And he's like, yeah, I'm good. I'd, I'd love to. Patrick Kane, Chicago? Yeah, sign me up. But I wonder if they had that com- that that comfortable lead in the standings, would they, you know, allow him to get a couple extra days rest? That's yeah, all. That's it's all an I'm interesting saying. thought. Uh, I also thought it was interesting because I, 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 you're hot and heavy on home ice. MJ's hot and heavy on home ice. Uh, who else is hot and heavy on making sure we have the home ice? The Leafs have the home ice advantage. I'm honest. I honestly don't sit in that camp. I don't feel strongly about it either <sighs> way. I know it's so lame of me to say, but honestly, to Liam McHugh's point, I kind of liked what he brought up. It does feel like it puts a little extra pressure on the home team to win when you're at home. Okay, there's going to be pressure regardless. It's Game 7. You don't think that the Maple Leafs, who have lost, what, seven straight Game 7s? Something like that? Six, seven straight Game 7s? It's like elimination They'll have pressure anyways? Yeah, they're 0-9 elimination. I they didn't don't have say pressure that. Anyway. I said the pressure gets worse when you've got your whole home crowd staring what, at you. What's worse? The fact that actually, you're at home or the fact that you haven't won a Game 7? The home crowd seven? in Toronto might even make it a little worse. Because as soon as they get scored on that Game 7, the whole building's traumatized. The whole building's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It, it might, to this point, at this point, be a little bit of a disadvantage. No, I can't get on that. I can't get on that uh, on that wavelength. I'll be honest. I I, I think there's so much that goes into it. I just have not seen them it. win an elimination game at home. I haven't seen them. Oh, they like, have one on the road either. One on the road. So, <laughs> so they haven't won on the road without the having that. That well, what's the change? They've been on the road. They've been at home, and they've lost both. Like they've been in that circumstance. And, like to your point, that's what I mean. Been the I mean, it just doesn't there's matter. No pressure, and they still lose. 
But I think at least giving them home ice gives you a better chance. Well, they weren't good enough to win. to win those first couple years. They weren't good enough to beat Boston. They weren't those good first enough. Two years. They weren't good enough to beat Montreal on home ice. Yeah, because that, that's what I'm bubble. talking about right now. Because that's you, what I'm talking but about. But they're at home. Those first they're couple years home, in Boston, I said. But that's not what I'm talking about. Any game seven at home, like regardless, they had that. They were supposed to win that game and they lost. So I don't. I I, I don't know. Like, didn't you just make my point? Did I make your point? Yeah, you just said they lost Game 7 at home. Oh, what was I trying to say then? <laughs> I don't know, but I win, so go to break. <laughs> okay. All right. I think I just talked myself into something else. Maybe I thought I was mentioning something else. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, we got Josh Cloak coming up. Maybe I'll rethink what I just said. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. We're Josh Cloak coming up next here on Leafs Lunch. <laughs> this is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Welcome back. Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julia Tesheri and Mike DiStefano. Josh Cloak of The Athletic will join us momentarily. He had the opportunity to hang out in uh, one of my favorite cities in the world, in Minneapolis, to hang out with Ooh. Matthew Nye. Why is that your favorite city? Oh, Minneapolis is so great. I've been there a couple times. The people like are the so Mall nice. of America? Yeah, the people are so nice. The, it's clean downtown. Oh, yeah, I so find... you, you went off just because it's close-ish to... Yeah, it's where yeah. I played all my hockey tournaments growing up in the Twin Cities. In Blaine? In Blaine, yes. Yeah. I, I did some uh, play-by-play games in Blaine, Minnesota. Oh, really? Like 12-year-olds and Wait, Adam Is Midget it Blaine Bliss. that has that crazy... It's like, like a four-pad. Yeah, with one Five Olympic pad. surface. Five pad, it, yeah. It's a huge barn. Really cool place, though. God, Tra- I've been in some brawls there, AB. Great, great snacks, too. For, like... Uh, that's the the thing about like those old school like American barns like they always have unreal snack bars. You're so right about that. Unreal snack bars. I'm the one like Niagara University also like I've been there for a couple of Eagles games. Yeah. In the past, great snack bar. Maybe I, that's the way that Americans have the edge on Canadians in hockey. Maybe it's the snack bar. Maybe it is the snack bar. Yeah. Yeah. So great part of the world, and and he hung out with with Matthew Nice, and we'll have a chance to check in. With him on that in a second. Marley's playing today, B. They had a matinee game. Looks like they beat Utica. Um, Dryden Hunt got an absolute rip in, in the in the third period. So that's where we're at with the Baby Leaf watch today here on <laughs> Leafs Lunch. I guess uh, Alex Steves was put uh, was he put put back down on waivers today? Not on waivers, but he was sent back down to uh, Steves is in back this down game. to Marley's. So yes, I'll assume. So, yeah, there you yeah. go. Did you see – so um, Chris Johnston brought up this tweet about – so Wayne Simmons was placed on waivers yesterday oh, after yeah, we came off so the air. yeah, this is so up your alley, dude. Very much up my alley. And it's just like this is this is what I, I love to see. But Chris Johnston tweeted um, basically saying that if he clears, which, I mean, he's been on waivers like three times this year, hasn't been claimed yet. I assume he will. Um, that means that the Leafs will be able to move him back and forth from NHL to AHL and they can optimize their salary cap position for the deadline acquisition so they can create some more cap by shuffling them back down to the AHL, picking up some more salary, um, basically just do a bunch of paper transactions, which would be great. Uh, so that's uh, another interesting little tidbit from Leafs Nation the last 24 hours. Okay, that's your that's your um, your nerdy salary cap moment of the yep, day that we have is. here on Leafs Lunch. And, and with that, we'll bring in Leafs reporter for The Athletic, Josh Cloak. Josh, we were just talking about, um, well, you spent some time in Minneapolis writing that great in-depth piece on Matthew Nye, so everyone make sure they go read that. But we were talking about the time that we've spent in Minneapolis. So, so give us uh, your highlight from the Twin Cities before we get into Matthew Nye's talk. 
Yeah, how come I get all the glamorous assignments? Minneapolis in January. And you okay, get wait, people. I love Minneapolis. We were pumping its tires. Like, one of the best cities. That well, said? So, yeah, I just don't understand how Siegel and Myrtle get to go to, you know, California. Oh, fair, in fair, the fair. Winter. And I'm, no, listen, you know what? Here's my genuine uh, assessment of Minneapolis. I was kind of going in, like a lot of people, with reservations. But I'm ready to put Minneapolis as a top five food city in the United States. I had literally two of the best meals of my life. Uh, I went to, and I know I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but I went to an all-Indigenous restaurant where all of the food uh, is post-colonial, so no wheat, no dairy. It was oh. fantastic. I'm talking one of the best meals of my life, bison tacos. Anyway, Minneapolis, mm. really underrated city. Um, so if anybody out there in Radioland is interested, I've got some great recommendations. But, yeah, a really surprising spot. Yeah, I'll be texting you later for those recos because I I, pro- I would like to go back because it was a, a good time when I was in, in Minneapolis. There's a couple of really good breweries, too, in that city. Yeah, great it's a good spot. spot. It's an underrated uh, good spot. Uh, we're Josh Cloak, lease reporter for The Athletic. And Josh, you released uh, an article about Matthew Nyes this morning in The Athletic. You had a chance to kind of catch up and spend some time with him last month. What was something that you learned about him that maybe you didn't know uh, heading into that little stop and chat that you had with Matthew Nyes? I think the thing that I took away, and, you know, you deal with prospects a lot, you talk to prospects a lot, and a lot of times prospects, especially those, you know, drafted by the Leafs who recognize kind of what's ahead of them, they're very guarded, they're very uptight, they stick to the script. Matthew Nyes, you know, is just a dude who is very sure of who he is as a person, right? He's comfortable in his own skin. He has genuine interests away from the game, which is something that, that always kind of makes my ears kind of perk up because, A, that's what's interesting to me as a writer, and, B, it's good that someone has those interests at such a young age when a lot of other prospects are just hockey, hockey, hockey. Um, so I just think it was remarkable to see a guy that, you know, knows who he is, knows what's ahead of him, and doesn't really seem phased by that. I just I got a lot of confidence from him, but not kind of with the, you know, in the typical – chest popped out sort of way but more just you know he he took the extra year in minnesota that he didn't have to take um and that allowed him to feel a lot better about what's ahead of him because look in a few weeks a few months i guess we could be talking about matthew nice you know being a bottom six forward for the leafs so to have him not be overwhelmed by that prospect I, i i think that's that's something i learned and i think that's something that's important too yeah, one thing that I found uh, kind of both impressive and interesting was the fact that he himself, as a guy in his early 20s, identified the fact that he didn't feel uh, like he was mature enough to make the jump to the NHL last season. But but that in itself, that self-awareness to me, kind of spoke to his maturity almost. Oh, for sure. And, like, the Leafs really wanted him. And, and to me, what was really interesting was, was discussing with him. And, I, you know, I was there for the weekend. I hung out with him, you know, on four separate occasions over the weekend. And, you know, he was probably sick of me by the end, but, but that's cool. But, like, you know, what I kind of got from him um, was how important it was for him to kind of hear from a lot of different people around him, you know, in the lead-up to the, the quote-unquote decision. And, and one person that, you know, I assumed they maybe had some kind of relationship, but maybe I didn't know how close they actually were, you know, him and Austin Matthews, obviously – 
both born in Arizona, so there's not a, a ton of Arizona-born players. But, you know, Nye said that he relied on, on Austin Matthews a lot to kind of help talk him through the decision and what comes ahead. And what was interesting to me was just how much he said Austin Matthews listened instead of talking. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't putting on the used car salesman job. He just wanted to hear, you know, where he was at, where his thought process was. And, you know, my understanding is that that really helped put him at ease if, if someone like Austin Matthews, who, you know, wears the weight of the world, you know, in Leafs Nation on his shoulders, if he can kind of say, look, what you're doing is right, taking your time is okay, I think that really put, you know, Nyes' um, anxiety at ease. He kind of told me, and this didn't make it into the story, but he told me when he got home, you know, from meeting with Kyle Dubas and kind of telling him, I'm going to take the extra year. He said just that. He's like, I felt the weight of the world off my shoulders and I could just focus on getting better. Um, and it looks to be a decision that, that has really worked for him, right? Uh, in conversation with Josh Cloak of The Athletic, um, I'm curious how much you think he could make a difference to this team come the postseason. The expectation is he'll sign with the club uh, when he's done his college season. Is he a guy who you think uh, is primed to play some, I mean, maybe not top six minutes, but play some important minutes in the playoffs? Like, is he ready for that, you think? Yeah, and like, far be it for me to kind of pour cold water on a story that I hope everyone goes out and reads, but like, I don't know if we should be expecting Matthew Nice to be you know, slotted in on PP2 and, you know, maybe score three or four goals and, and rise up to fill that, that second-line left-wing spot that I know is a hole that the team is probably looking to fill. Like, is he probably ready to play in the NHL? Sure. But do you want to overwhelm him, especially, you know, in a playoff series? And we don't even know if he'll be in the playoff lineup. It, it seems like maybe he's more of a, like, a 13th forward, maybe comes in and out, maybe if they want to bring him in, but I don't know. I think, A, that's a lot to put on a player, right? Not just, you know, come in, but, but dominate against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I yeah. think maybe people should temper their expectations. Um, but do I think physically he can stay with his head above water in the NHL? Of course. Do I think the hands are there um, that he could probably score? Sure. Um, does the skating need a lot of work? Yeah, it does. So, you know, this isn't kind of a Cole Caulfield thing where he can just jump in from, you know, the NCAA and contribute right away. I I think the Leafs, you know, bottom six is probably still in need of an upgrade. And I think he probably gets a shot there. But, like, dominate and be an impact player, I don't know about that. We're with Josh Cloak right now of The Athletic. And uh, speaking of that top six, the Leafs have a game tonight. It's the Leafs in, in Chicago, in Toronto tonight. One thing that's interesting, of course, Austin Matthews back in the lineup tonight, so everyone is jazzed about that. But but do you find it, uh, I don't know, do you find it intriguing? What do you think about the fact that Matthews and Marner won't be together on the same line tonight, uh, especially seeing how, how much they were rolling right before that Matthews injury? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's just, it's just, Sheldon Keep just has this propensity to, to move things around. Um, yeah. in a way, just because he can, right? This is, this has been something that, that Keith has done, like literally since he's taken over the Leafs. And, and also he did that with the Marlies too. Like I, I, I think he just likes to use the regular season as kind of like a, a sounding board, a testing ground, I guess, for the playoffs, right? I, I'm really not reading a lot into line combos right now. I, I, I 
I'm still going to look towards April, mid-April, and then kind of see what, what's happening then. Because I think he just wants to move things around and, and, and figure out what works and, and also maybe not let players get too comfortable, if that makes sense. So if I, I don't know if concern is the right word, but I'm not concerned about you know Matthews and Marner not being together. I find it weird, though, like coming into the year, it was just fully expected. All right, we know we got on our top line. A Matthews, Marner, Bunting, you know, they were terrific last year. And I was just looking at it, like that line is a trio. They've only played 25% of the time Matthews has played with that line compared to uh, a lot more they spent with, with Nylander and Bunting. Like, do you think we're getting to a point here where Sheldon Keefe just prefers these guys apart? Do you prefer what this lineup looks like? Maybe they look a little bit deeper. These complement each other a little bit more when those two are apart as opposed to together. Like, what do you think it looks like come game one of the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I like Matthews and Marner apart because I think it's probably a lot harder to defend if you have, you know, your two best players on different lines, right? You just, you you break them up and, and I think Matthews can probably play with anybody, but to me, I mean, William Nylander is just having such a good season. So that, like, he, I, I, is he on par with, with, you know, Mitch Marner? No, but, like, has he become an incredibly dangerous player in his own right? Yeah, so I just think if you have those kind of players, it just makes a lot of sense to try and balance things out as much as you can because, I mean, as it stands right now, the Leafs are a pretty top-heavy lineup, and I think any effort you can make to, you know reduce that and try and get as much scoring from your second line and and kind of lighten the load on on Matthews right he we know he's a player that is yeah, obviously has some injury I don't know concerns small worries you know let's not freak out but there's going to be kind of questions I guess leading into the postseason so anything you can do to lighten the load and not make sure that he's that it all falls on him to contribute I think that's a benefit for Keith and the Leafs well, everybody's going to be hawkeyeing Patrick Kane tonight, Josh, with him in town, and all of a sudden that's a really hot name here in Toronto. That would definitely take the load off Austin Matthews when it comes to scoring, wouldn't it? Yeah, but that would also put you know a seriously heavy load on Brandon Pridham to figure oh, out yeah. how to make that cap <laughs> to figure out how to make that cap you know just work. I don't know. I I will say it's it's become a real topic of conversation just around the other, I don't know, Leafs media is like, yeah. when are they going to, when are they going to do this? Right? Like when, when are they going to make this deal? Because we know they probably have to, I'm of the, I'm of the mind that, that a forward should be the priority over a defenseman. Um, you know, I just keep coming back to the idea that if you get a big fish and there's probably bigger fish, you know, than, than Patrick Kane, but I just think on name value alone, like, what a jolt that would send through the rest of the lineup. Like, hey, like, Nick Foligno is a good player, and Nick Foligno is a great, you know, locker room guy, but he doesn't have the kind of cachet that, that adding a Patrick Kane would. And this is all just hypothetical, but, you know, if you're Austin Matthews, if you're Mitch Marner, if you're the entire team, you know, getting a player like Patrick Kane, and we're just talking hypothetical, the confidence that that would, or the jolt of confidence that would give to the rest of your team. And it's like, look, Kyle Dubas believes in this team this much to go and get a player like Patrick Kane and really get us over the hump. You know, it's now it's kind of up to us, you know, again, if you're Marner and Matthews, et cetera, to kind of hold up their end of the bargain. Right. Um, I always think back to, and I know this isn't a perfect comparison, 
But I always think back to the Jays. And you remember how upset Joey Batista got that one trade deadline when they didn't add anyone and he thought they had a really good team? Um, that, that always stuck with me. And then they went, I think it was the next year. If my yeah, timeline they got right. David Price and a little texty text. There were some expletives, I believe, involved. Yeah, Exactly. And then, and then you know, that 2015 Jays team, like, boy, it, it was like run. one of the, well, that was one of the best teams in this city, you know, outside of that Raptors team and the 2017 TFC team in, in I don't know, a long time. Anyway, the point is, is that it would bring, it would do a lot more you know, throughout the rest of the lineup than just what Kane would provide. So part of me wonders if that's the route they do go, Kyle Dubas does go, just because he knows that everyone would just feel a lot better about their chances going in, you know, against Tampa Bay. My ridiculous hypothetical follow-up is, would Willie Nylander give Patrick Kane number 88? (laughs) Uh, Probably. Oh, man. Right? It's like I, I, somebody tweeted it at us earlier, and I was like, wow, this is a bigger topic than I thought it might be in my head. See, I always forget that with two hours to talk about the Leafs every day, just how deep in the weeds you guys can get. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm like in the bull rushes right that now. That wasn't even the worst theory we tossed out today, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he would, but I also don't think it would matter. Maybe he would, but... You know, I know, I know William Nylander is, is a foodie. He likes his good food. So maybe if, if, you know, Kane took him out to the best, I don't know, steakhouse in Toronto, we're talking about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I love how deep you guys get on that. Thank you. <laughs> well, really quickly, I guess a little bit more of a, a, a you know, a more game-centric question. What I jersey suppose, are they going to wear, A.B.? They can't yeah. go out there naked. <laughs> uh josh really quickly like tonight i think how big of an opportunity is this going to be for timothy lilligren hall slides out of the lineup lily slides up he's going to play with geo on the second pair big opportunity for him to prove he can handle those type of minutes down the stretch so if the leaps out a defenseman which you know maybe they will maybe they won't but if they do someone's got to come out right and you know i thought sheldon keith was really on point Maybe even a you know a little I don't know aggressive a little harsh when he was talking about Justin Hall yesterday, and he was essentially saying don't give me a reason to take you out of the lineup. And I guess my point is is I, I think Timothy Lilligren has done enough to make sure even if the Leafs add a player into their top six, he stays in. Um, and just you know games like tonight are just opportunities to kind of further solidify your your, your spot there. Um, he hasn't really given them, he hasn't given Keith a reason to be pulled out of the lineup. So, yeah, I, I like what I've seen from him all season. And, and tonight, you know, another opportunity to just keep rolling, I guess, right? Absolutely. I think that's probably when it comes to the Leafs. I think you got, you know, Matthews. We'll see what he looks like coming off that yeah. injury. And then the next guy I'm looking at from Toronto is how does Timothy Lilligren play with uh, an uptick in role, playing some tough minutes as a second pair guy. Those are kind of the things that I'm keeping an eye on uh, for tonight's game. Really appreciate your time. As always, Josh, we'll uh, we'll chat again real soon. Anytime, guys. All right. There he is. Josh Cloak, loose reporter for The Athletic. Go check out his article uh, that dropped this morning about Matthew Nyes. Go learn, go learn a thing or two about the Leafs' uh, best prospect in the system for you know, as long as he's a Maple Leaf, I guess. Yeah, that, that's one thing we didn't bring up with Josh, I guess. The one question, uh, did he get any, did he have any inkling? He might be traded. So. Yeah, I, I don't get the sense that they're willing to go there. Like, I don't want to say he's untouchable, but 
I mean, the only way that I think they maybe would do something like that is if maybe Chikrin would have to be the guy or if they have a deal in place for a Timo Meyer and they have him extended or they have some sort of agreement that there's an extension coming. Like, right. I, I don't think that there's no rental that you're trading. You're not trading him for Jake McCabe. Like, yeah, there's term there, but you're not going to give up Matthew Nyes for, for that, right? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. All right, on the other side, we'll get back into tonight's game from a betting perspective. we got Al's Brothers Puck Picks coming up next. I'm Mike DiStefano with Judith Tesherios and the Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Bad news again! Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. It's time for Puck Picks with Professor Al's brother. Back to school. Back to school. Jackpot. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaying cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. And it's the perfect occasion for some Puck Picks with Al's brother. Are you going to expose me? No. Okay. Expose you for? Putting a little sprinkle on the Hawks tonight, just in case. <laughs> yeah, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a bad move though. Like they're at significant plus odds. Like that's not a that's a good value play. Okay, but I think I have some other plays that can be relatively good value as well. Like betting the Leafs on the money line makes zero sense tonight. They're minus six fifty on the Leafs. Like to literally to win ten bucks, you'd have to bet sixty five dollars to win ten bucks. Like that's. That's how big of, of of favorites that they are tonight. However, I did this last week, and you can do this where you can kind of shrink those odds a little bit. If you like the money line tonight for the Maple Leafs, and over five and a half goals, that at least shrinks it to minus 110. So I do like those odds at minus 110 to take the Leafs money line in over five and a half goals because um, the Blackhawks, they're just no good, just straight up bad. They have seven wins in their last 51 games against teams with a winning record. So I would imagine that uh, going up against Toronto tonight, I would think that that trend would continue, and Toronto wakes up. I think it's point night. Austin Matthews over one and a half points tonight. He comes back ready to go. He's got 17 points in 10 career games against Chicago. He wakes up for these games against Patrick Kane. I think he goes over the number one and a half at plus money. And then I also like John Tavares over the number three and a half shots on goal. With him and Marner together, he becomes more trigger happy. He gets himself those slot passes where he can get those shots on goal. I think he goes over three and a half shots tonight. Maybe even scores a goal. Maybe you do a little sprinkle, sprinkle on a John Tavares goal tonight. I put a sprinkle tonight. on a JT goal. There I put a go. sprinkle on a JT anytime goal, and I put a little bet on Austin Matthews to score first tonight. Love it, love it, love look, it. Look at me JT. getting engaged look in the that. mix. A little substitute teacher action from Julia. To Sherry. Oh, God, don't listen to me. I never win. Like, <laughs> well, tonight, tonight, that's going to change. That's okay. going to change tonight. Like, realistically, this is, this is, like, it's not must win, but this. Well, how awkward. You, you and I are going to feel real game, awkward man. tomorrow if we come in and we got to talk about a Leafs loss, well, the Blackhawks. We've been there a lot so far this year. <laughs> the Blue Jackets the other night. Like, right. That would be, not be very fun. No, because you can't have back-to-back games. Your coach ripped into you. You got your superstar coming back to hopefully inject life into you, into your lineup, and you're going to, you can't go and lay a dud against you did that against a 32nd-ranked team in the league. You can't follow it up with the same performance against a 31st-ranked team in the league. Like you just, it would be 
unacceptable. Yeah. Flat out unacceptable to lay a dud tonight. They got to start from puck drop and play 60 minutes, and this should be a rout. It really, really should be. All right. So those are my plays. You can find those over on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Fun show today, JT. That was a good one. We got into a lot of different conversations. Will William Nylander hand his jersey over to Patrick Kane? Our column tomorrow at noon. Yeah. We'll have to do some research and digging into it. We'll see. We'll chat. We'll chat. We'll chat tomorrow. We'll be back at noon. Fun stuff. Uh, if you missed any of today's show, though, you can find it on TSN 1050.ca, the Art Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Gameplay with Matty Koss coming up next.